So today is just in the nick of time podcast special fifth episode edition. Speaking of numbers, numbers. there were not that many in the contest between the Nebraska Cornhuskers and the Northwestern Wildcats this Saturday. <laughs> Seamless transition. Are you just so ever? Are you just so happy we're in the Big Ten? Because oh we get to watch games like this. That was so. Like people will absolutely complain, and I, I can't. Like I can see where they're coming from, but I can't relate because there's something, as we talked about with nil nil draws last week. There's something electric about scoring when scoring is scarce. And like I texted Justin immediately after the game, I will take a sh- like a just crappy in your face Big Ten style slugfest over a like you know fast passing attack shootout any day of the week. Oh yeah, give me this game over the Illinois game any time you got. Yeah, I'm only saying that. No, I'm not only saying that because we're in the Big Ten now. I legitimately had a lot of fun after we won that game. Yeah. Because the the whole the whole period of 10-10 was so stressful. It was far more stressful than I was there in Illinois. Yes. Like, let me find Yeah, we were tied 10 to 10 basically from early in the third quarter. I I believe they took the f- kickoff, went down the field, got a touchdown to tie the game, mm-hmm. and then No, no, no. We we received the kick. Okay, they got the ball. Which confused me. Because as much as I don't trust our offense, it did seem like the kind of game you'd want to make an impact early in. Yes, I I would like to, you know, read the drive summary of the second half. Uh, This is so beautiful. I feel like there should be like some light poetic jazz under this. Like, miss field goal. Punt, 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 miss field goal. Punt, 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 interception, field goal. And that's the second half. So I have one quibble with your little composition here, and that you it's that you backed off on field goal. Because that moment, like, I should not be so excited to watch us make a kick from, what was it, the seven-yard line? Yes. And I was ecstatic. To see that go through. It should have been automatic. All of our celebrating should've. should have done. Like, before. And, and, oh. and if you watch the replay of that kick, that thing needed to be a 27-yarder. Mm-hmm. If it were clo- if it were any further away, that gets no, blocked. No, a 28-yarder got blocked. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. This just shows that, you know, the interception was huge, but... Yeah. It also should not have counted because if you watch the replay, you see Will Honus just boom, ram into their wide receiver, making perfect space for the interception. But to be fair, we got screwed earlier. Oh, yes. And like, I really don't, like, I understand um, Pat Fitzgerald said, I wish I could have thrown a challenge flag. That kind of became the quote of the (laughs) afterspin for Northwestern. And like, he's totally right. Yes. If he could have thrown a challenge flag, that would have been overturned. We mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have won the game. But if you can throw a challenge flag on that, there are like four separate game-changing moments earlier, particularly that one pass interference call. Exactly. And we took advantage of our opportunities that they that the refs gifted us. Northwestern didn't. 
the drive where they got the bogus pass interference call on a ball that was 10 yards over the receiver's head and a roughing the passer, which looked like every single quarterback hit that's been done in the, legally was, in the history of football. Absurd. That was bad. They missed a field goal at the end of that drive. We got the interception, and, okay, it's under a minute to go, and they still have a chance to stop us because, of, as we just discussed, our field goal range is non-existent. 27 is like, what yard line were we on even? We were like at the, so 27-yarder, goalposts are 10 yards back. So that would be, he'd be kicking from the 17-yard line. So adding, eight, so adding eight yards to the, for the snap. The nine-yard line, the nine-yard line is our target line for field goals. And we had the ball at midfield. So if Northwestern holds us to the 10-yard line with under a minute to go, they have a very good chance of winning that football game in overtime. Oh, so, absolutely. So, there was no way we won that overtime. No. We've lost like our last four overtimes. We haven't even scored in our last two overtime periods against Northwestern. No, granted, I assume it would have gone three or four overtimes. Oh, because no offense Because no one would have score. scored. <laughs> but eventually, they would have made a kick. Yes. And, like, I trust them to do that before we do. So the fact that we gave ourselves the opportunity to close it down. Yeah. And the fact that we got to the nine-yard line even with the way our offense was moving all that second half. Because I, cause when, cause when we had the ball, like, two minutes to go, I, I just tell the people next to me, this is basically now or never. Mm-hmm. Like, I just had that feeling because of the way the game was going. Absolutely. Of the, of the real back-and-forth punts and missed field goal opportunities that, like, two minutes to go, Northwestern's probably going to score if they get the ball, so we need to do something here. And we didn't, and then they were moving the ball very well until we bended the rules and got an interception. (laughs) What a finish. I've never been, you know... Okay, actually have been happy to beat Northwestern on thanks yeah, thanks to Ron Kellogg. But that like, was about what I, I was gonna say is like I've never been this excited to be a one and three team. Let's say that way. It'd be really cool one year just to kick the ever loving Northwestern. But How we, much fun would that be? We never will. We never will. It just doesn't seem to be the way that series goes. It is always either usually we just barely pull it out. Mm-hmm. But when we don't, there's some of the most heartbreaking oh losses. my gosh and a really good indicator that our season isn't going that well um before the game last week we effectively called this a must win oh yes it, this was even it, though we only barely won what this shows me is like we finally closed out a game we had a chance to win we kind of this was our chance to sort of shake off the demons from colorado yes right as much as that possibly can be done at this point, because that was a pretty horrific and painful loss. Um, not to mention it was a game we probably should have won. If we had beaten Colorado, we would still be ranked right now. Oh, absolutely. Five and one. Yeah. But <laughs> instead, we're at four and two. We've equaled our win total from last year already, from the past two years. Like, we were had four win seasons these past two years. So I this game is just huge for the season and the fact that we can basically fall backwards into a bowl game right now that like there is greener pastures ahead for the season for the second half of the season we're like we're not we're not looking to 
like get wins so we have wins on our record. We're looking to get wins for a purpose, to make a bowl game, mm-hmm. to get a postseason, to have some outside chance at the division. And, you know, coming up, we do have Purdue and Indiana, who are two similarly bad teams to Northwestern and Illinois, who we both did beat. And this Northwestern game shows me that we can fall backwards into beating bad teams because Northwestern's not a team uh, that talent-wise should beat us. And eventually we sort of made ourselves win that game at the end. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So the rest of the schedule looks like as follows. Minnesota, bye week which is big. Huge. In years where we have a bye week that's at an inopportune time, or where I think we've had years where we really don't, honest to God, have a bye week. We, we did not have a bye week last year, thanks to Mother Nature. Akron. Akron. Damn you. Zips. What the hell's a zip? What is a zip? A zip is like one of those fireworks that used to almost light your neighbor's house on fire with, because it's one of the ones that spins up into the air. Yeah, those are great. I like Zips. Their mascot's a kangaroo. I like him. His name's oh, Zippy. That's stupid. Oh, Zip I like fireworks it. if you want to sponsor us. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll gladly plug your products in. For two days a year. That's for fine. Two, Metropolis. For two days a year, you can scare the s*** out of your neighbors. <laughs> Zip fireworks. Live in suburbia? Find it tedious and boring? Have we got the product for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, so then Indiana Purdue. After the bye week. Feasibly, more than feasibly, realistically, it is likely that if we do not win this weekend, we seal the bowl game in those two games. Yes. Especially because Bill Moose at the beginning of the year said 6-6 six and six is a successful season. And that's what all reasonable Husker fans were thinking too. That's not true because we both said... No, okay, I said 7-5. Seven 7-5. And seven and I think I said it's possible we get to 8-4. Which right now is not impossible. It's not. We, we just All we have to do is be a tough but beatable and on the on the talent probably it's it's close to even. I think we should on sheer talent disparity of everybody's as healthy as they can be. Obviously we don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. It's a winnable Minnesota game. It is. Indiana we should win. We should win. Purdue, we should win. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin, it's more likely than an Ohio State kind of thing. But given our... Given our current form, I think we're probably screwed on those guys. And, and, and our Achilles heel of Wisconsin running backs. Yes. And the fact that they've and got probably the best guy they've ever had. And constantly having a really solid um, defensive Oh, unit. yeah. Like, they just always fold yeah. under Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They always are like, listen, this is going to be a great game. Sure, they've got one of the best running backs, but look at what we've done to, to other teams' good running backs. And they just, they no. always have our number. They do. I'd love to see this be the year where that's not true. I'd love to play Wisconsin close. I, honestly, I will be watching the Wisconsin game saying, if we're within 10 points of Wisconsin, it's it's likely we can pull through against, like, an Iowa. Oh, yeah. You know? So then we've got Maryland. Maryland, who's dove off a cliff this year after their high of the first two weeks. Right. So I got no clue what to make of them. I, I think going to Maryland in November, that's a trap game almost because it's sandwiched between Wisconsin and Iowa yeah. that you forget that, you know, 
you know, there there will be around 50,000 strong in that crowd. And it will be, you know, a place they've never played in before. Mm-hmm. Like, this is basically a non-conference road game, I, I can say, given the how far we have to go to Maryland. Yeah. There's no geographical reason why us and Maryland uh, should be in the like, same conference. So, so need, I'm going to get mad at you for this. I think it's good because... They were fine in the ACC. They're a huge TV market. Of which the Big Ten does not have a lot of. The fact that, like, BTN is shown in Maryland, which is effectively the state of the District of Columbia, um, that's a big deal. It's the same with Rutgers in New Jersey and, like, rich New Yorkers who send their dumb kids to Rutgers because they can't get into Columbia. Yeah, And, and, and they can charge, like... Now the BTN can charge themselves, like, all these New York City apartments, cable complex cable packages and and yes. like all the, all that stuff yes. like you now are in the vicinity of big 10 network by us all those all those mafiosos in yes. new jersey who give a crap about Rutgers football because they <laughs> bought their kid a walk-on spot on the team all of the <laughs> and, tony sopranos and in the 50s they were paying the other teams to throw games so yeah. they could make money betting on them in the 50s I think we might lose to Rutgers next year if we could we play Rutgers next year. I'd take probably money. not because Scott, I don't blame you if you take mafia money to lose to Rutgers. <laughs> because uh, the conference scheduling in the Big Ten sucks. Oh, we'll talk about the twenty twenty one schedule, but I think we should save that. Honestly, oh yeah, yeah, we'll save that. Oh, I just want to point out that we've been in the conference since twenty eleven. We have played uh, Indiana once, and they will come to Nebraska for the first time. In 2019, we have ju- we have been a part of this oh, conference. Yes, we have, cool. we've been to conference since 2011. Indiana is coming here for the first time this year. Also, can I give a gold star of the day? Just a, a shout out. Yeah, I would like to give a shout out to the University of Central Missouri. Um, the University of Central Missouri really came in clutch in 2019 for Nebraska football in particular because they put the biggest fall debate tournament of the year. On the bye week. Yay! So on the week in which I really don't have anything to do other than watch other football teams beat up on each other, I you know, it's gonna be great. I, I can I can go debate and not not give a what's happening. Also, that should be my last debate tournament of the season. Well yeah. Uh, not of the season, but of, of the of regular the football season. season. Oh football season. Um well no, of the football season. Um, if, uh, if Nebraska, by the, by the grace of God, goes to the national championship and there's a tournament that weekend, I am not going. Um, <laughs> also, I think with two losses, that ship, uh, that ship is, uh, that ship is sailed. Yeah, we have to win the Big sale. Ten very convincingly. <laughs> and, and we need absolute carnage elsewhere, which I don't think we'll get. We'll, and we'll yeah. get to that. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. yeah. So, some... Some numbers I do want to bring up. I like numbers. Uh, it's not true. But bring up the numbers. As we discussed in the open. Yeah. 130 rushing yards, 113 passing yards, 243 total yards, 10 points. Juan Dale Robinson? Is that... That is what Wisconsin's offense did against Northwestern in their game. Wait, what? Yeah. That, that North, Northwestern only lost to Wisconsin in large part because... Wisconsin had two defensive touchdowns. They had 243 total yards. Wisconsin's oh, okay. offense. Nebraska 
133 rushing yards, 186 passing yards, 319 total yards, and 13 points against Northwestern. So this is like slightly not indicative of anything. Yes. Right? Like at the end of the day, <laughs> this doesn't mean anything as far as our matchup against Wisconsin goes. But I do think it goes to show how well we played against Northwestern. Yes, and just how well Northwestern can, you know, go uh, play up to their opponents because Northwestern they've always have a strong defense and like a strong line. Mm-hmm. Like they are mm-hmm. the big tenniest of Big Ten teams. They're up there with Iowa. They're up there with Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah, Ohio and, State. I mean, not on the skill level, but in like no, the sheer big tenniness of it. Yeah, in the big tenniness of it. Ohio State's not a like a big tenny Big Ten team because they have guys who are fast. They throw the ball. They are you score. Just they have good players. Yes, I, and, no, and they I score totally more than twenty. They absolutely play Big Ten football. They just play the best version of Big Ten football that you could possibly have this year. And it's if you want a Big Ten team that doesn't act like a Big Ten team, look at maybe Michigan because because Harbaugh's trying to. Yeah, I'm thinking of Michigan, and, and that's why Michigan hasn't had success in the Big Ten. I think is because they can't really adapt. Like you saw Wisconsin run all over them mm-hmm. when Michigan's still trying to do their passing offense and. You saw them get into a classic Big Ten game against Iowa where it was 10 to 7, and they actually they won that game. They pulled ahead. They need to play Harbaugh, needs to rewire his brain to play football like the Big Ten plays who the, football. Who are the least Big Ten Big Ten teams? Maryland. Maryland? Well, get out of our conference. Why hippies. do you care? I'm happy to beat up on Maryland every year. Because, number one, I'm not sure that we beat them up. And number two, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. Rutgers feels like they have a home in the Big Ten. Why? Because, because, Rutgers feels less at home. Because in the Big Ten. everybody makes fun of them. They are butkers. They are the thing that the other twelve teams okay, come come together and be like, makes, "Lol, you're here." Almost makes less sense than Maryland. Okay, it absolutely it absolutely like makes max, less sense than. There is no Big East anymore. I know. <laughs> Rutgers should be there. Like realistically. <laughs> I, I don't I don't have any problem with either of these teams. Honestly, like the bigger the conference and the more frankly teams in the conference, the better for us, right? Yes. Would you rather be playing who's a reasonable team to throw in? Nothing. What if Iowa State wanted to come over? I'd much rather play like. Oh, I'd much rather play Iowa State. I mean, it'd be more fun. Yes. But, it, like, as far as a schedule goes, thank God for Indiana and um, Maryland and, like, Rutgers and Purdue and some of these, like, less-than-stellar teams because we have a fairly damn tough conference. I mean, look at Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio Iowa, State, Ohio, Ohio State, Iowa, sometimes Michigan, sometimes Michigan State, all pulled together, yeah. fairly decent teams. Yeah. We are trying to break into those six yeah. out of what is there? Twelve? How many people are in? How- Fourteen. It, I, I I liked it when it was twelve. I'm I'm okay, but say, save my my rants of how much I do not like Maryland the conference, how I only like Rutgers, because every conference needs that one team who just, like, Rutgers is our Vanderbilt, you know? Mm, yeah. But we have two Vanderbilts. Is Purdue our other Vanderbilt? No, we have three Vanderbilts. Okay. Maryland. No, okay, Maryland's actually semi-competent at, at football, and they're, like, really good at sports that aren't football. 
So, yeah. So, so that just sort of makes well, me Maryland's mad. Maryland's good at basketball. Yeah, Maryland's good at basketball. So, so that. Well, that that so, just makes the case. Purdue. What is Purdue good? Is Purdue good at anything? Purdue's occasionally good <laughs> at basketball. So, uh, the other thing that happened in the game is that the, the final drive we did not have Adrian Martinez at quarterback. Mm-hmm. He yeah. injured his leg, a part knee. of his leg. It, knee. Looks, it seems to be a knee. It's, so you, where were you seated? Uh, South Stadium, uh, fairly high up, 62 rows to be exact. Because, so I was East Stadium. Uh, you know that little outcropping in front of the first row? Is it like the, is, it's the place in front of the, oh yeah. I see like it. in front of where the banner goes when they, when they put yeah. up the whole like, yeah. Banner thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm there. I'm in that third row. And the second time that Martinez fell and got up slow and limped and then limped off the field to go, apparently ice in the locker room is the line we were given. He went down. It didn't look bad. But then he gets landed on by, I believe, a Northwestern player. Fairly large one. Mm-hmm. Right on the knee. And then immediately we all looked at each other panicked because he grabbed the knee and then as soon as someone helps him up and we're all like oh he looks like he's standing fine and then he moves and it's more hop than walk (laughs) i I am frustrated by the lack of transparency oh yeah that's that's a big thing against frost is that he just will not tell anybody anything about injuries look me in the eyes and tell me we can't beat minnesota with noah bedrill given the performance we saw on saturday yes i honest to god let's say every human being looked the same to me i would not notice that we put in a new quarterback no no in fact i might say amart made some really good decisions that last drive and pulled up strong Yes. Right? If that was an Amart drive, we would say that's a resume-building drive for a quarterback who's looked shaky. Now, we saw that said, a sample size of one drive is not enough for us to be able to say that we are (laughs) confident by any means. No. But I feel a lot better about our backup quarterbacks having seen, you know, decent results from both of them, both Vedral and McCaffrey. Yeah. McCaffrey was in for only the one play. One play. I'm I'm sort of disappointed about that because, you know, our whole thing is we're going to redshirt this guy this year. And, you know, now you get four games without losing the redshirt. And if one play, if one play is in, wasting it, was wasting his one what? of his games. Realistically, are you telling me that you want to play him in three of the last six games? Probably not. Pro- well, it depends on how how long Martinez is out for one, mm-hmm. and how well Vedral is doing. If Vedral plays like he did those uh, on the final drive, I do not want to exalt him after well, after one drive, but he did show great potential. You understand why McCaffrey got put in in the first place, right? Vedral wasn't yes. eligible. His helmet, His helmet came off. What were you going to do? Run, line up in the Wildcat? Like... Uh, either Wildcat or just, like, it was a run play. Just shove in a bunch and have him hand it off. Like, oh... Uh... There are other quarterbacks on the roster, you know, and especially with the, a play-calling uh, world that's as limited as we have, apparently, because we can only run quarterback draws and, you know, throw it deep we, twice a game. But yeah. we look incredibly predictable when we're going for the big play, mm-hmm. and we are barely stoppable much of the time. Like, I really think we have a better offense than our play-calling shows. Oh, yes. I don't know who to rage at 
because I don't know if this is a scout decision and a, and a coaching philosophy that says you have to establish the run before you can throw the ball, before you can do fancy things. Um, if there was a moment of the game that made me think the offense is clearly improving, it was the weird scoop from Mo pass to Wandale. Yep. Should have counted as rushing yards, technically count as a pass. That was one of the strangest plays it I've seen just, live. Oh my god, we didn't know what was going on. No. We're, like, you know, you're 62 rows up in the south, looking at it from behind the offense. Yeah. I'm looking at it from East Stadium, in which I'm looking, like, skewed, but straight on from, like, I don't know, to the behind right. And we just see chaos ensue. And, like, Mo has the ball, and we're like, oh, Mo got stopped. That sucks. And then Wandale's 20, 30 yards down the field. <laughs> All of a sudden, we just saw him pick them out of nowhere. Like, what the hell just happened? And it had to be, like, explained to me by someone who had the wherewithal to look up and watch the replay. Like, what happened? Yeah. Because I was just like, I I'm so happy. I don't know how this happened, but I'm thrilled. Yeah. It was madness. <laughs> yeah, I just saw the snap. I saw him, like, hand it off, and then... And then I'm I'm I'm, I'm watching uh, Mo run the ball, and then I see Wandale's in front of him, like just by watching the play. Then all of a sudden, I'm I'm just seeing Wandale run, and the crowd's cheering. So I'm like, must have been a fake. But no, <laughs> on the replay, Mo gets hit, and he just lumps it forward. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was a design. That, that that's yeah amazing. And you know the other thing I will give the. Uh, play calling credit for they did seem to honestly adjust toward like halftime because the little concept that we ran to get us the yards to get the field goal like out and then underneath uh, we didn't run that all in the first half and we ran it three times in the second half and it was open all three times the martinez messed up the throw on the first two next game nebraska four and two versus minnesota five and oh there we go. There we go. Number 25, Minnesota, by the way. Are they really? Yeah. 5-0. and oh. They've played a deceptive schedule so far. Uh, as uh, SB Nation podcast shutdown full cast says, uh, they play the teams you don't, you gain nothing by playing. They played just the, the most sneaky uh, group of five teams possible, Fresno State and Georgia Southern. Oh. And they squeaked out a win against yeah. both of them. Mm-hmm. And then they scheduled top FCS team, South Dakota State, and squeaked out a win. Yeah. The, those and teams just gave it their play. all to beat Minnesota. And Minnesota just barely came on top for all three. And then I think they played like, uh, oh, they played Illinois last week. 140 to 17. Uh. <laughs> so that's, that's four, four games. Yeah. Oh, Purdue. Purdue. Oh, my God. Yeah, they've... They... Oh, God, Justin, they've played a, a non... A non-Division One. No, how does that work? Uh, they're a Division One FCS team. Yeah, they played an FCS team. A very good one. Fresno. A decent fine. team. What is... I'm sorry. Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, that's right. Meh. That's even more meh. Wait, they took Fresno State two overtimes? And only beat Georgia Southern by three? You, like, undersold how much they're not that impressive against. Yes, but, but all these teams are so sneaky, though. Fresno State's good for, like, one upset a year. Not to mention that, like... Georgia how... Southern's a very consistent Sunbelt team. Oh, my God. If this had gone slightly differently against a very easy schedule, mm-hmm. they would currently be 
Not they, they might there. have two wins. Oh yeah. Realistically, they could have lost three of these games. Oh yeah, that because... that Fresno State game had several 50-50 balls in the end zone that mm-hmm. could have clipped it either way. We lost to Colorado in overtime, right? Mm-hmm. If you can't get much more 50-50 than that. Um and then Il- and then Ohio State. Ohio State, we knew we were going to lose. Yeah. We could very easily be yeah. 24 This could be a 24-25 matchup. Oh yeah. With I understand why they rank 25th. It would be very hard to take an undefeated team right now and be like, hey. Yeah, because there's not many of them left. There's no. like 16, I believe. So. Right. So you almost have to throw all of them in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Regardless uh, of. <laughs> you know who's not undefeated any, anymore? <laughs> UCF. <laughs> they, that wasn't even a good joke when they lost for the first time to Pitt. I know, but I'm just like so entertained by their collapse like you don't you don't get a little schadenfreude out of the whole like because last year it's like ucf looks great and nebraska looks crap so apparently scott frost wasn't the like talisman and now it's like the wheels are coming off the bus (laughs) it was all frost it was all frost your players suck you lost to cincinnati what what no no offense ucf also i think it was cincinnati's twitter i gotta find this that you hate to see it you hate to see it. That was gold content. Brilliant. Gold Brilliant. content. That made me so happy. Anyway, so I think we've got the Northwestern yeah. game pretty well talked about. We've got a good shot against Minnesota. The only, the only thing that I say that makes me think differently is that they played Illinois way better than we did. Well, okay, but that's that's all well and good. I think that we're a better team than played Illinois. Yeah. Um, I really do think we've improved over the last two weeks. Um... We didn't have turnover problems. We didn't First game of the Scott Frost era with zero turnovers. Almost had a couple fumbles on bad snaps. Yep, that's if still we, there. If we really, if we lose this game and we lose it for ourselves, there is a there is a slim chance that Minnesota really does show up and just totally outplays us. Mm-hmm. I think then we have to have a broader conversation about, like, are we really not a good enough team to beat Minnesota? What's much more likely, and have lost to Minnesota this year, is we, beat we ourselves. shoot ourselves in the foot. I think one of the key ways that happens is, there's two ways I can see that happening. One, bad snaps and poor communication at quarterback because there's a new guy in leads to problems. Although I do think that both Vedral and McCaffrey had bad snaps and handled them better than... Yeah. Yeah. Handled them fine. No fumbles, no drops. Really had... And Vedral got some real, real sketchy ones. Oh, yeah. He had one that he literally dropped on the ground, had to pick it up, and then just make a play to Mm -hmm. throw it away. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. Which was impressive. Um, So I'm really not that concerned about that. Here's, Here's a legitimate concern for me. Amart's back, but not at 100%. Oh, no. Yikes. He's nervous, which he will be anyway. Even if he is at 100%, he's nervous about this game. He doesn't want to re-injure his knee. So that takes away the run threat. He's scared about bad snaps because he knows he needs to pass in the pocket. The O-line spends all week fretting because they know they need to actually, for the first time this year, hold a goddamn pocket from which to pass. And we end up just having so many miscues and so much, like, concern about this game. Because at this point, 
Yeah, yeah. If we were going to have the kind of season we talked about having since the beginning of the year, the pie in the sky, oh my god, hopefully season. I mean, to get to 8 and 4, we got to win this game. Oh, yeah. To get to 7 and 5, we probably should win this game. Other than Wisconsin and Iowa, this is probably our hardest test for the rest of the year. Thank you for basically saying what I was trying to think of saying. Right. This is our winnable big game of the year. Like, if, yes. if, if we lose Wisconsin and Iowa, and beat Minnesota, we can at least say we went on the road and beat an undefeated, like, ranked team. Oh, halfway the in the season. The worst ranked team, the lowest ranked team, but a ranked team on the road, an undefeated team that looks fairly good, has talent in a lot of spots, yes. has some weapons they can hurt us with. Absolutely. I'm not worried. And this is going to this is gonna come and bite me in this eventually. I'm really not terribly concerned about the defense. Because they looked so good against Northwestern. Oh, yeah. There were, of course, some causes for concern, like they could not figure out the read option. No, but, but, but Minnesota probably won't run the read option. Yeah. And, and, and all in all, I'll take holding a team to 10 points oh. any day of the week. You know, mm-hmm. I can nitpick as much as I want about how our linebackers were slow, how we gave the wide receivers a bit too much cushion at points, but 10 points is 10 points. Okay, so Minnesota... You, I, I think this will be another very big Tenny game. Oh, yeah. I, I hope it will because I'm beginning to love these. Oh, you um, have to. I hope... The thing is, for the Big Ten, I wish we had a better kicker for this kind of game because it easily could have been 16-10 or 19-10. Had, had we had a good kicker? Had we had a good kicker. Absolutely. Well, or if we didn't, you know, somehow kick it through... <laughs> the hands of Northwestern defenders trying to block it. This very easily could have been, or, you know, 13-6 Northwestern. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So, kicking kicking matters, and I'm sure we'll get to that in later podcasts. But right now, I think it is so hard. Do we have a day that Pickering is supposed to be back? Do we have any? See, that's so frustrating. It is. How are you supposed to know? And, like... And, And J.D. Spielman, you know, one of our... Our arguably best receiver, because Waniel's not a true receiver, he's a hybrid, you know, he's out. So that gives, you know, a one guy who, you know, that gives Martinez or Vedral one less guy who can potentially get open and help when you need to buy time. What? Not that Martinez would have seen him anyways, but... No, no. Where has kind of I know been this whole year? We were told this guy was going to be a weapon, and he just has not shown up. Well, when he's open... Uh, Martinez either doesn't see him or he throws it to him and he drops it. Yeah. So I... I but we're just not getting the numbers from him no. that we realistically need to be getting. I, I held out hope for him for so long. I'm finally starting to come off the train. No. Like, first three weeks, I'm like, just wait till Martinez throws him a good ball. And now he, he drops some easy ones. I yeah. Mean, I, great hair, great name. Yeah. Doesn't right now have the hands to make the numbers we need from him happen. Yeah, he's supposed to be our jump ball guy, and we don't see that. You know what my dream scenario for this game is? Can I let's let's take a step into Nick's dreamland. We run nothing but I formation, and we occasionally give the fall, ball to the fullback just to freak him out. We we lean heavily on short play-action passes for 10 or less yards. Dink and, and dunk, baby. Believe in our ability 
to convert on third down, which I really do believe you could put Mills in 32 and 9 out of 10 times, he'd probably get you there. This has been an extreme scape. Which I don't think is a totally unrealistic dreamscape, right? Like, I don't think it's totally out of the question that, like, that is a pretty good offensive strategy against this team, and then obviously do what we've been doing on defense. Let's talk about what the hell's next. Oh, your soliloquy. I, I can go on a soliloquy. I'm, it's, 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 I don't have much prepared. I'm, yeah, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just tired. Five, five minute soliloquy. The season's halfway over. This goes by so fast. In college football at large, you know, it's this magical thing where anything can happen on any given week. Any performer, any play, any finish can happen. This year's been boring. I'm just going to say it. This year's been so boring. We've had like two major games that have turned out to be anything. And one was Auburn, Oregon, week one. That was a blast. That was probably the best game I've seen all year. Absolutely. From like major teams. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, SMU Tulsa, the three overtime game last week that had a 39 comeback. That was amazing. But those always happen and we don't notice them as much. But those games always happen. The American has fun football, you know. But that's not a game that's going to stick and be a timeless college football memory. There used to be two or three of those a season. There used to be like one play a week that you could talk about me like, that was the play of the week. And no, what was the play of the week this week? What was it? Nobody knows because there's no big finish. There was nothing. This year's just been so boring. The teams that have been expected to good have been good. And then, and then when it's big team versus big team, one big team is just way better than the other big team. Sometimes it's not who we thought it was going to be, but it's all been multiple score games. You know, I, I miss, I miss it. And some of this might just be nostalgia talking because, you know, you ask me what year was the fake field goal from Michigan State Notre Dame? 11? I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, so maybe this is just, you know, when you're a kid and you just watch it on TV and now I'm old, there's so many media options. I'm so distracted. I'm so busy with life that I don't have time to pick and choose everything. But at least I should have some understanding of this is the wild chaos realm of college football. And now it's just, eh, Bama won again. They blew them out. Clemson, they almost lost one week, but their good guys are still really good. LSU's good guys are still really good. There's no surprise Heisman winners anymore. Like, I feel like Lamar Jackson was the last of a dying breed of just some guy from a random school who just becomes the most exciting player in college football. Because now all the good players are, like, on the good schools. Yeah, don't you hate that? Yeah. But you're totally right that there's less, like, there's yeah. there's a higher level of resource disparity in college football mm-hmm. that's making things less and less interesting. Um... But also, these things are cyclical. There are yeah. boring seasons sometimes. It happens. Last last year was a relatively boring season as well, I might add. There are boring half seasons. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. I think, and so, don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of the playoff. I like the playoff. Um, I think overall it's a good thing. Yeah, and you, I, you can still have very exciting seasons with the playoff, as uh, I believe 2016 and 2014 will both show you. But... It means that one-loss teams can still feasibly mm-hmm. end up having a good season, which which means people are playing less to win and more not to lose 
if that makes sense. It kind of changes the yeah. hyper gaming of a, of a team like, um, I'm trying to think, like Georgia. Yes. Georgia is not looking, you know, for resume building moments in which they can like build up a better thing than Bama. So well, to, if, well, to be fair, they did play Notre Dame this year. Right. And that was, you know, it, underwhelming. But they're not looking to, like, go out and trash everything. And Notre Dame yes. isn't saying, we need to go perfect. No. Or if we're not going to go perfect, we need to go very nearly perfect to make New Year's Six. Yes. Now, because the, because of the playoff and because the playoff, I think, has also increased the profile of smaller bowls. Mm-hmm. Um, we watch, like, the bowl matters, but I will watch... What's a good example of like a high tier non New Year's Six bowl? Uh, the Outback Steakhouse Bowl. Sure. Yeah. Or like you know some of those. I'm sure like Lowe's has a bowl and like the big the big brand names they get their little bowl and then have two very good teams, mm-hmm. but they don't actually play on New Year's. Yeah, like we all need something like the Alamo watch. Bowl or the Holiday Bowl. So for me, there's always this thing in the holidays where you've got you've got like. New Year's Eve, it's great. Daru Forest, as the Who's sing, like everyone's. Daru Forest, Daru Forest. That Trap remix. I'm sure that exists, and if it doesn't, we need to make it happen. But anyway, like the Who's sing, it's Christmas Eve, it's beautiful. You've got Christmas Day, your whole life's a Christmas story, it's great. You've got Boxing Day, which for soccer fans, and we will talk about this as we get closer. Why to don't they schedule Day, the best fights for Boxing Day? They should, I think that they should. Joshua really Ruiz think, get the rematch on rematch on Boxing Day. Terence Crawford fight. That's not that's not what Boxing Day comes from. Oh, I'm sorry. They used to box up the leftovers from Christmas and send them home with the servants on Boxing Day because the servants had to work all of Christmas for the rich people. But Boxing Day was poor people Christmas, and so they played a bunch of soccer because people needed something to do on Christmas. Is is th- is that like sort of why Santa elves are they like a metaphor for like? Working class people on Christmas. Yeah. Mother of Jesus. Look at you, putting things together. Yeah. Santa's not even woke. Santa's never been woke. <laughs> what is woke about Santa? It's uh, not like he ever gave the poor kids better presents than the rich kids. Uh, uh, if Santa uh, was woke, he would have just come down the rich kids' chimney and been like, "Y'all suck." You already have the money. Make your parents buy it. The parents would be like, oh, tally ho, I'm buying my son a thing. And Santa would have been like, fuck him. But Santa would have taken all the cool toys from the rich kids and given them to the poor kids. He'd be Robin Santa. Santa Hood. Hood Santa. (laughs) That, that would be, that's like the SNL sketch something clause. I'm I'm 90% sure Hood Santa's a Tyler Perry movie. It probably is. (laughs) It's at least like shout out to Tyler Perry though. You 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 got a new studio. It's at least a key plot line in like Medea's big old Christmas or something like that. But um, anyway, um, yeah, you've got Boxing Day, which is magical for soccer fans, and then the twenty seventh, twenty eighth, and twenty ninth are just like devoid of anything to do except watch middling bowl games between teams like Florida International and Marshall. Not even though. Because there are some decent games on those days. Particularly in the evenings you'll get like a Mississippi State Georgia Tech or something. Yeah. Some fun weird matchup. Yeah. Out of conference. 
kind of got some weird stylistic. That's the fun thing. Yes. Like, who always plays in the Rose Bowl? Oh, it's always, like, Ohio State and Washington, like, Big Ten, Pac-12. Yeah, it's always Big Ten, Pac-12, unless it's, like, one of the playoff playoff bowls. Or unless the playoff gets all screwy and they have to shove people in it. Because, like, one year, I believe Ohio State was in the national championship, so they had to put TCU in the Rose Bowl. So, Mm -hmm. like, weird stuff happens. When it makes sense, that's actually a really fun game to watch. Typically, Absolutely. Because watching Big Ten ground-to-pound football play against the Pac-12 is like, well, no one's going to play any defense that matches up with what the other team can do. Exactly. So, like, yeah. <laughs> Except for the one Rose Bowl where it was Michigan State, Stanford, and it was like, <laughs> that was a glory, glorious day for just grit. And grind, and just we're gonna run the ball three yards at a time. There is something beautiful about like disgusting, gross, gritty football played at a stadium called the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. Over the most beautiful sunset on the purest green grass you've ever seen. After a big parade with floats and every high school band in the nation. Now that that's done, let's just all get CTE right now. <laughs> Like that's, that's effectively what the Rose Bowl is. And that's why it's the best bowl game. Yeah. Uh-huh. But besides the bad boy mowers Gasparilla Bowl. I like the Beef O'Brady's Bowl because it actually sounds like an actual bowl of soup. Like they might just fill the stadium with soup or at least hand everyone a can of soup as they walk in in like a third. One of those like thermos like war- warmy things. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. They should do that. Anyway, we're way the hell off topic because... We were talking about uh, this season, and I think that you're right. Like, nothing yeah. huge has happened yet. But you have to bear in mind that, like, some seasons you remember from Thanksgiving weekend on, mm-hmm. right? Of, like, holy crap, there were, like, a ton of really good rivalry games. Like, if this season has, for me, a classic of an Iowa-Nebraska game, a really good Iron Bowl um ohio state michigan it won't be good yeah. but it might be fun to watch ohio state beat the shit out of michigan for like the eighth year in a row right uh-huh and then like you know people are gonna start thinking about harbaugh yeah they're gonna start it's gonna be fun right you know that'll be cool what are the other big uh if there's a good red river rivalry which could very that's well this happen week this year. so yeah is it this week yeah i thought that was thanksgiving no uh, thanksgiving's a uh, bedlam for oh, Oklahoma, and then yeah. uh, Texas and Tech. Yeah, that's dumb. They should switch those around. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand, like, interstate. It, is it, I think it's always because of, like, the state fair in Texas. It happens this late? I think so. I think it's normally earlier in the season than this. It's I don't know. Warm out there. Yep. Yeah. We're going to delve into waters that I feel like every sports podcast, particularly every NCAA sports podcast, has to talk about. Mm-hmm. Some point that we haven't gone to yet. The playoff. In playoffs? In playoffs? You're, you're talking about p- playoffs? You, you kidding me? Playoffs? I, I just yeah. hope we can win a game. Playoffs? Beautiful. Who's that <laughs> invitation over here? Jim Mora. Former Indianapolis Colts head coach. Ah, nice. Yeah, that sounds like a Colts head coach. <laughs> Um, I say that as kind of a closet Colts fan. The closet It's better than the Falcons, who I, who I want to blow it all up as soon as possible, but... Your baseline thoughts on it. Okay. My 
the system we have now is good. I like the system we have now. I do not believe it is in any way a perfect system, and I do believe that in the future we will not have this system. I, I, there are some obvious falls. Number one, college football is the only major sport that I can think of where the champion is based on somewhat on opinion. There are no objective parameters for a team to make the playoffs, for a team to be a national champion. There are no objective parameters. There are so many in the NCAA, and that's why 110% supported UCF's claim, because there is no NCAA-sponsored football champion like there is for basketball and baseball and volleyball. Because, like, you you know this, because you see the trophy they hold up for baseball, volleyball, uh, basketball, it's the same trophy. Yeah, the college football playoff is better than the old system. Absolutely. And I want to say that at the top. Because I want to make clear that the BCS in particular of, like, there's a computer model, but not really, like, a computer model. And it's a computer model that we pretty much choose the inputs and already know the outputs based on Mm -hmm. the inputs. So, like, the idea that, like, computers are deciding who the best team is, like, that was totally, totally horse crap. Oh, yeah. Because they changed the formula. Humans changed the formula. There are also three human poles that go into that formula that makes the BCS formula. It was always, you know, so, you know, transparent of how, like, unsecretive it was. Yeah. And they acted like it was some secret formula, but no, you can clearly see the bias and where it's sleeping in. And so favored the SEC. Yes. Yes, absolutely. it, It took the eye test out of it which I do think that's very important. And I do think that there needs to be at least some of that human opinion because there is parts of being a good football team that aren't measured on, like, the stat sheet and, like, wins and losses. If it's... You know what immeasurable impacts are? They're not impacts. They don't matter. Sports, yeah. Are, are there, like, intangible things that give a team an edge in certain situations absolutely but those things shouldn't be weighed at the same level that like well, well, actual statistics and particularly wins and losses should be yes okay i'm not saying that like a two-loss georgia team should jump in undefeated ohio state because they looked better against bama i'm just saying that, like you need to have a way to rank these people like i think the human should determine the seeding but there should be objective terms for who makes it in there mm-hmm. like you know, Alabama, Clemson, let's say they both go undefeated. And I saw Clemson, you know, struggle against North Carolina. And I know that North Carolina could have won had they called, like, two better plays at two better spots. Let's say Alabama struggles to get a win against Auburn, but it's them pulling it ahead against, in the end, against a better team. You know, I, I'll rank Bama ahead of that because of what I saw in that game and what I saw Clemson do when they were the, pushed the to the edge. The seeding shouldn't, yeah. Yeah, the seedings and rankings I still like the human aspects of that, but there needs to be objective ways to get into the playoffs. Are you ready for me to fix everything? I have a way to fix everything, too. I'd like to hear yours. If you're a Power, yeah. power 5 champion, there you win one of those kind of Is this uh, keeping divisions? Because, like, let's say Northwestern pulls a miracle off last year against Ohio State. Yep. Oh, really? Yep. You're putting them in the playoff? Yep. Over, like, a one loss? Okay. Michigan? Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. That, that's not how it, I do you it. You gotta win your gun conference. Now, should this maybe mean that we shuffle the divisions every now and then? Yeah. Or find a way every year to basically go, 
number one team from last year, number two team, number three team, number four team, number five team, number six team, number, you know, and just go oh, yeah. down. Like, that makes a lot and, more and sense. just shuffle the deck? Yeah. Not, not just, like, totally shuffle, but be like, whoever won last year, whoever lost the conference last year, and then move down from there in direct order of, like, mm-hmm. ranking. Yeah. Um, at the end of the year. I think that makes a lot more sense. I also think that, like, first of all, we should expand the rankings from the top 25 to the top 50. It should still be a big deal to be in the top 25, but it gives fans a better sense of what to expect from a game when a team has a little number next to them. And okay. so when you watch, like, who are two unranked teams that will... When I watch, like, Nebraska and Purdue... I might know that Nebraska is a better team than Purdue and should win the game. Mm-hmm. And without without fail, the commentators will probably tell me. Yeah. But if you went all the way down to 50 and you see Nebraska at, what are we at? Probably 35. 49. 40, what? We're 4-2 and two with, a, with no good wins, okay? We barely scraped by a mediocre 1-3 Northwestern team. We struggled with when Illinois who lost to Eastern last... Michigan. I don't know. Anyway. 49's anyway, not bad. If you win a Power 5 conference, you should be in my goddamn playoff. Okay. you understand me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hoorah. Yeah. So, if you, if you win a Power 5 conference, you should be in college football playoff. Uh, then, if you it should go to undefeated teams. Outside not, of the Power outside 5? Outside of the Power 5 should play some sort of a play-in game. Have have their mini tournament have like a not losers basically, bracket but like a play in game like the first four yeah. from the tournament. Uh-huh. I basically think that you should take the power five winners and have like an eight team playoff, but like some of them don't really count as playoff games. They're more like play in game where they're actually more. Oh oh, so so it's not like. A one seed versus an eight seed. The one seed is already in it, and they have to play a winner of a eight seed bracket to get their eight seed. Or like, how how does this work? I and see, I like honestly don't is, know is, how is, to is, draw is, this is, out. Is this a dynamic playoff? Like no set number, no set amount of games. I think it's dynamic. I think there's probably the top ten teams at the end end up vying for what ends up being like six true playoff games. Or, like, six playoff teams. Yes. So, I guess, like, three. But then that gets you with three. So, I don't know how this And, and, and that makes out. a buy. That gives someone a buy, which is a really big advantage. But I also think that under any of this, there will maybe, be. Maybe the cleanest way is just to go to an 18 playoff. I don't love that because mm-hmm. then that adds an ambiguity and puts some really shit teams. Yes. Like, teams that will just get their ass kicked. Yeah. Or if they win. We'll get there kicked in the semifinal. Exactly. Like, I, but, I, I, I do feel that 18 playoff is where we are headed with this system. I think so. And, and I do think an automatic qualifier into the 18 playoff for an undefeated group of five team should be instated because they do need to have theoretically a shot because in this current system, they have no shot and people still pretend that they do. Well, like in an 18 playoff, you could put in UCF. Yes, you and could. And UCF would have got this shit. 
kicked out of them last year in the playoff. They never would have recovered or they would have joined a Power 5 conference. Well, well, you say that like it's easy to join a Power 5 conference. It's not impossible. Well, no, nobody's going to add UCF. Are you kidding? Are no. you kidding me? No. You don't think the ACC would kind of like to have UCF? No, they have the Florida market cornered. There's nothing in it for them. If the ACC, ACC will only add UCF if one of their members gets purged from another conference. It, UCF, Which is not totally unlikely. Well, it's not totally unlikely, but it's not something that's likely going to happen until... I think UCF until, could like, fairly reasonably be in a Power 5 conference in the next five years. Well, they could, but well, that would not be because of their constant lobbying and them being like, fine, we'll let you in. No, something would need to happen where one of those conferences would need to lose a member and then they'd reach out to UCF. UCF's not getting lifted up. They're getting, you know, dragged into this. Like, hmm. because cause look at... That's up, probably fair. You see? Because they're in an unfortunate location where all their nearby Power 5 conferences have their Orlando market on lock mm-hmm. already mm-hmm. with some other big Florida schools. And Florida State, Florida being the main... Yes, Miami. Miami. Yeah, those big three... People in Florida watch those conferences to watch those teams play. Adding UCF will not make the conference any extra money. It's it's a very growing brand, but I'm just saying that. I think that like so there's there's Florida's a big state. Oh yeah. It makes sense for Florida to have four big schools because Texas has how many Power Fives? A and M, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU, TCU. Yeah. Five? Five. They have 12. California has. They have 12 teams in the FBS overall. California uh, has like seven teams. They're well on their way to their own conference at this point. Four four of them being Power Five. And you could argue with uh, Texas schools that Houston should have been a Power Five, but they just got left out, which again is. Of the Big 12? Yeah. Because they were in the Southwest Conference with like all those other teams. And then for some reason, Baylor was the one that they chose to elevate to the Big 12 with them instead of TCU was or Houston. In the Big 12? No, the, the Big 12 formed with uh, was when the Big 8 mated with the Southwest Conference. Oh, you're Conference. saying that way back when. Yeah, yeah, way back when with the Southwest Conference, ah. somehow Baylor got to the Big 12. Instead of Houston. Instead of Houston or TCU. Okay. So both of them had to just exist in... Uh, group of five purgatory for a few years and then tcu got drug into the big 12 after chaos happened but then yeah you can throw in like a ucf or an undefeated week schedule team that will just get their <coughs> crap kicked out of them but they theoretically have a chance to go play yes. for a national title and i do think the undefeated caveat needs to be there i don't think we should let in every undefeated team i think that I it do. should be an eyeball test of like if you're a very very decent undefeated team like UCF. Should win the games all the games on your schedule. Who did they beat in that bowl game they went to? Auburn, which uh That's a that's a good team. Auburn this adds the most validity to their national title claim, I think. Auburn beat Alabama and Georgia, the two teams mm. that played for the playoff championship. So mm. So like trans- UCF could not have beaten Alabama or Georgia. We agree on that, right? I do not think that they win that game, but I do not think that that should be the way to determine a champion is based so, on what I think would happen got, if these two teams played. Who gets left out that year for, for um, like, who would get left out? Who's, who's the four seed? Alabama would get left out because they did not win their conference. Oh. 
was the three seed? Because Alabama, they're getting in no matter what. Okay, three. Uh, the three seed was actually Georgia. No, no, no. Wait, was Georgia? Yeah, Georgia was the three seed. Oklahoma was the two seed. And Clemson was the number one seed. Clemson was the one seed. Oh, those are all good football teams, Justin. Better than UCF. If UCF had played all four of those teams head to head, UCF would have lost at least three of those games. Yes. At least, probably all four. But based on the resume, based on the objective oh, no, terms, like I, now you're making the argument for human intervention, of like, damn it. No, look, I'm just saying that if you win all of your games, you should have a shot to be. Win all your games against good opponents, you should get. Well, good opponents are harder to find when you've been, you know, systematically screwed out of playing them. I don't cry for UCF. I really don't. I think that they probably are a really good football team. But at the end of the day, like, they, is it not reward enough to go to one of the biggest bowls of the year? Also, can you imagine if they hadn't just lost to Cincinnati and Pitt? Like, if they had been a perennial powerhouse, then maybe, maybe we would have had to have a conversation about, like, hey, well, eventually we should let well, them well, in. Well, well, that's hard when the whole system's just screwed against you. When, when The whole system's not screwed against you. Because yes, eventually is. we knew you were a fad. We knew you weren't that good. Well, you lost your the... coach, you know? Well, that's fair. And I don't feel bad about that part either for well, many reasons. Well, well neither do I because because <laughs> of the place I'm in. But, you know, the group of five is essentially just a breeding ground for Power Five coaches. So that makes it hard to maintain program consistency. Oh, like, the group of five being, like, the five next conferences. Yeah, the five next conferences. And there's no way you can tell me that, like, UCF wouldn't be better than, like, Vanderbilt in the SEC. And Vanderbilt's, oh, only, totally Vanderbilt's only in the SEC because they made the right friends 100 years ago. That's not fair to UCF, who's a newer university, but a newer program. But why the SEC want UCF? Well, I'm, I'm not saying... Sure, you don't need the market. But, like, why not say Vanderbilt? Piss off to the Big East or something. Be because of all the tradition, all the stuff, like there's reasons why they can't. Vanderbilt would just put their foot down and just threaten to academic, like, you know, when they leave the conference would tank academically and like. That's true. You see? That's totally see, true. There's That's so many reasons not there. based on football why these conferences exist the way that they exist. So I'm just saying in the so world of football. why not make a football exception and only allow UCF to play with you in football like they do for Notre Dame in the ACC? Because no, Notre Dame's like. Well, well, I think they should do that, but I don't think they, they are going to. They would absolutely have incentive to do that. All of their teams would say yes because it seems like a quick win. You sign a two-year deal in which UCF gets to play. Like, it would be landmark. Everyone would watch those games. Well, Are you telling me that you, American football fan Justin Twitchka, would not watch, like, Auburn play UCF? I would. But, but I'm just saying that they're not going to do that because... You know, eventually, because some of those teams are going to need to play at UCF, and that would ruin their, like, they need seven home games. Like, all the SEC teams uh, would be so stubborn in letting, the, right. in letting these guys join their club. I think it would be a great idea, absolutely, but I'm just saying that it would so not happen. ACC. You don't run into the same problems there, do you? There's less stubbornness. There's less BS. There will be, but their conference scheduling is already messed up as is. With Notre Dame and everything. With Notre Dame and everything. And given the fact that North Carolina and Wake Forest played this year as a non-conference game because their conference schedules did not have them scheduled to play each other for the next eight years. And they demand to play each other? 
Yeah, yeah. They just wanted to play each other. So, uh-huh. so they just scheduled themselves as a non-conference game. It's like if we did that to Indiana, you know, a couple of years ago, given that we've played them once and it's been the we've been in conference since 2011. The whole system is so just messed up and it's based on just keeping all these traditions alive with teams that haven't even earned them and just made the right friends so long ago. The whole power oh, system screwed. Missouri in the SEC? Exactly. Set Missouri packing back to the Big 12 and put UCF in the SEC now. Exactly. If it, if, it, football if it were that easy, that's what would happen. But it's not that easy. Nothing's easy. Well, it should be. And that's it should be. Podcast. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks for echoing me on those last two lines. But it was good to see you, man.